Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to Screen Heroes. It has been a very long time since we've done an episode. Do you guys even remember how to do this? Yeah, I mean, we've done it a few times. I think we got this. You guys, to be honest, <laughs> it was our bat nipples episode, <laughs> I, though, I right? Do. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so a lot has happened. Let's get down to it. Let's talk some trailers. So, Wonder Woman eighty four. What'd you think of the trailer? I thought it was fine. I mean, it's good fine. to see Gal again in the suit. I just have a lot of questions about the movie that haven't obviously we all do been answered yet. Well, like you know, there's the Steve Trevor thing, and I want to I, I want to see what Cheetah ends up looking like visually because you didn't see the coffee mug. Patty Jenkins says that there are three phases to yeah. our look. The one is what we saw in the trailer. Two is what we saw in the coffee mug, and there's a third that we haven't seen yet. And I imagine that's full on cats version. I hope so. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, like that's where the nightmare belongs. <laughs> like not in a Broadway musical. To be using a lot of um, practical prosthetic work on on her for that, but. Like for the first Wonder Woman movie, the the weakest part of that was probably like the bad guys CGI at the end. Yeah. Right. Oh, so yeah. I just don't want that to be a repeat. And the Steve Trevor thing still makes no sense. But the rest of it looked really great. I mean, the music was cool. I'm I'm good with the setting. The Steve Trevor thing makes more sense in context. Just so you know. What? The Steve Trevor thing makes more sense in context. Of the movie? Yes. I mean, I would hope so. It does. How do you know? Because I read the leaks. Oh, okay. I couldn't resist. <laughs> All right. Black Widow um, trailer. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> Apparently, this is the Derek and Rachel show, and I'm just here to watch you guys. Talk, talk your it. talk, then, sir. Uh, I like that they change, seem to have changed the color grading a little bit. Like, her suit is a much brighter red. Um, at least it seemed to be to me, and a right, much brighter blue. Well, it's because it's after World War II, so, right, so I, everyone knows colors got brighter that's true. after yeah. the Great War. That's so. true. <laughs> uh, it looks. It reminds me more of like the animated looks, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they did get rid of her sword and shield, and she's just doing the lasso which I thing. Love. Be- I mean, the lasso work was really cool, but uh, I love the sword and the shield. I like just like give hero a medieval weapon. Like I want Hawkman or Hawk Girl now. If she's not going to use a sword and a shield, give me a mace. You know, I'm fine with it. I- I'm used to seeing Wonder Woman not use those things. So but they're awesome. They are really cool, which is why I wouldn't complain if they were there. But I also don't think it's a problem for them not to be. What if the lightning is a Shazam cameo that she's lassoing? That'd be a lot of fun. Who would? Who's Shazam? She just pulls the small child out of the air. Yeah, like. Exactly. <laughs> Some other kid, like pre-Billy. Yeah. Oh, Pre-Billy. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have been quite born yet. No, not, not quite. Could have been the wizard. That's true. There you go. Yeah. That'd be cool. He has to be like contractually in every sci-fi movie, right? Yes. So. Um, Shimon Hussau's and everything. Yeah, it looks uh, really good. I'm excited for it. What about the eagle armor? 
That looks awesome. I mean, I love it. Yeah, right? I'm I'm shocked that they're actually doing it, but it looks great. I was a little confused that like the wings fell away in the scene. Mm, yeah, it's kind of like give it, give it the wings go all out. It's also weird, kind of weird that he chose a Kingdom Come armor for her, but it's it is one of my favorite Wonder Woman looks. So you know, I'm all about it. They're just taking some liberties with when they use it, which is fine. I don't. I care. do not envy the cosplayer who tries to tackle that. The, the many cosplayers <laughs> yeah. that are really trying to tackle that. Yeah. Well, because even like my favorites that I follow. Or my closest friends, or the best Smiths out there that I know, all of them are like, "Man, it's not for me." But good luck. So right. Like, yeah. When Kamui is like, "I'm not doing it," so I'm like, "Ooh." Yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. Um, I, I was kind of like when the wings fall off, I kind of pictured it like a one stage jetpack kind of thing that when it lands, she just kind of like, they're not, they're done, right? It's a one. <laughs> they have to be reloaded with fuel or something. Oh, okay. I mean that. That makes, I mean, they're the armor of a god, so I wouldn't think that they would be, like, I mean, single-use. We don't know what they are in this film. We know what they are in Kingdom Come. Okay. Right? So. Sure. So, Black Widow trailer. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it looks like Atomic Blonde. Uh, it looks really cool. It does. Um, I'm still sad about it. Yeah. You know. Um, I like Tell David people Harbour. why you are sad. Oh, I'm sad about it because, like... She's dead, right? So this is a prequel, and I'm not usually the biggest fan of prequels. Um, and I know Wonder Woman 84 is a prequel, too, but we already – I mean, like, but she didn't die in the future, so it's just another adventure. It's not as bad. I just – I know I'm going to like it, and I know she's going to be great in it, and I know I'm going to be bummed out by that at the same time. You got really excited when you saw Red Guardian because you, <laughs> you turned to me and you said, finally – a hero with my body type. <laughs> and if you don't do a Red Guardian, I feel like uh, you've missed an opportunity. I like David Harbour a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it looks cool. It actually it looks good. I was It was fun to see that. Yeah. Ryan gave me a look when you well, said that. I mean, <laughs> Ryan like can do that. Four, so there's I, a I little did, bit of a difference there. Yes. But. I said body type. Okay. Like the build, it is a cool suit. Yeah, it no. is cool that Marvel is like, you know, giving a nod. Well, I'm sure they're not doing it that specifically to give a nod to some cosplayers that aren't in like perfect superhero shape. But uh, you know, it's all about representation. It's not sure. just for cosplayers, but That's like, true. it's tons of people really liked overweight Thor in Endgame. So you know, people just immediately embraced overweight David Harbor. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the older, you know, folks, 30 plus can probably go, you know, I miss the person I was when I was 20 in some in some ways. And, you know, being able to put on something that makes them feel like, you know, that, yeah. that part of their life is probably good. And, you know, he's a little older, I think, in this, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it yeah. is cool. And it's, I'm excited. I'm probably more most excited for his character. Versus everybody else's. Well, Taskmaster. He his look is a little disappointing. Yeah. I mean. So there's a rumor about that. I'm sure. Did you guys hear the rumor? No. So the rumor is they designed him that way because it's going to turn out to be Hawkeye. No, it's not. And if I it hate is, all the words that's you just the said. Dumbest rumor I've ever heard. <laughs> I. I didn't say I liked the idea. I just said it's a rumor. Dude's on his farm <laughs> at this point. Like, like they see him shooting a bow and they're like, oh, got to be Hawkeye. But listen, do you I mean, it's know, Tim or Oliver Queen. Do Those you are the know only two what guys. his power is? Like he sees somebody do something and then he can do it. So if he can see Hawkeye do something, then guess what? Now he's good with a bow. So Hawkeye is in the movie. Oh, my God. Potentially. <laughs> I mean, it's a Black Widow movie, so. You know they're kind of pretty close together in the MCU. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, he's not Hawkeye. Don't be dumb. <laughs> don't Arch. Be dumb. Don't don't believe dumb rumors. I'm gonna save this clip so that way when it turns out it is Hawkeye, I can just play it back on loop. Go for, for it. it. I'm kidding. It's... Go for it. Don't anyway, believe those stupid. That's the sites entire that Black Widow episode is Derek just proving Ryan wrong. Yeah, for 45 <laughs> minutes of that. I didn't say I liked the idea or I thought it was true. I just wanted There's to no share this with true. you. God, I hope that's not true. I was hoping you were going to say the rumor was like that he gets a skull helmet right. later on in the movie, not that it was going to be something stupid like that. Terribly sorry to have disappointed you. You did disappoint both of us. The internet disappointed you. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We have uh, Wait, you, you, that's all you didn't even really 
really say anything about it. Aren't you excited? I'm super excited. Like, I'm really excited because 2020 is going to be the year of three female-led superhero comic book slash movies. So I'm really excited about Birds of Prey, about like Wonder Woman. female-directed I thought I read something yeah, about Eternals that. Eternals yeah. is also directed by a female. Yeah, and so Angelina big. Jolie, Kumail Nanjani, and Selma Hayek are the leads in that one. So, you know, it, it's still pretty much kind of female-led, more so than not. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for 2020 as a whole. But Black Widow, I'm, I'm still on the fence whether or not it's going to be a good movie, if really? it's going to bring anything to the overall story. Or if it's just going to be, you know, a cash grab. Because for me, a lot of it feels too little too late. Um, You know, Scarlett Johansson has kind of run her mouth in the last couple of years and made really tone-deaf comments. And then, of course, we've all been asking for this film since 2012. Like, this should have been the first film after Avengers, in my opinion. It, or at least in that phase. Right. It should have been in phase two. I get why it's not in phase one, but, it, like, Ant-Man really over Black Widow, a solidified character, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, I just, I'm not quite sure it's going to bring anything more to the larger picture. And at this point, that's what Marvel is. It's a large picture. And each piece of your puzzle should contribute but that also leads me to believe that black widow's not dead kind of like gamora's not dead i think there's a different timeline going on here so i don't know how they're gonna do that and i'm not saying it would be great story writing but you know nobody really dies in marvel well i think the the rumors going back to rumors that i've heard is that elena is going to take over as black widow now or as like the Black Widow replacement. Maybe that makes sense. Florence Widow. Pugh is up and coming. You know, she could have a long career with Marvel. It is important that sometimes people stay dead. Like, I know in the comics it just can't really happen, right? Because you're putting out, you know, an issue every month for all of these different series. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if you kill somebody's favorite character, then they never get to read about that character again. Like, like at some point you on. have to you reboot stuff. It's just yeah. what you do in the comics. And, you know, there's only so many stories you can you can tell. And in the movies, though, it's, it's a little bit different. Like, they just killed these guys. They killed her and they killed Tony off. They just did it. And you now they're can't, both coming back. You can't bring them both back the following year. Like, that's just, like, super lame, you know? And it just takes the punch out of all of it because then I'm just never, like, why would I ever care when a character dies? Right. Right? Because you, you can't prove that it's a thing that actually matters. Her white suit is really cool, though. The white suit looks great. I don't like, know if it has a special name The movie anything, looks really, really cool. It, like Derek said, it looks like Atomic Blonde. It kind of looks like a Bourne movie. The costuming looks amazing. I am really curious how they function as like a family, if they're all actually related or they just bonded through their training or something. So I what am curious. What was it in the comic books? Huh? What was it in the comic books? Those characters were not really... They didn't call each other sister or anything like that or whatever they did in the trailer. Red Guardian was Scar, well, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow's ex-husband. and That would be a weird twist. (laughs) Yelena Belova was her arch rival, not related at all. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wonder, I I thought it was maybe just because they trained at this, or they came through the same Red Room or whatever the program was called. Um, Yep thought maybe that's that's why they you know kind of like military people call each other bro- or firefighters call each other brothers mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that they're not real brothers but i have a feeling that's how it's going to be but if they were all family that would be a, an interesting twist for right sure. so i'm eager to see how the dynamics between scarlet and florence and rachel weiss and david harbour all play out yeah totally what other trailers did we get we got the free guy trailer. Yeah, you really liked that trailer. I'm not sure why we're talking about this trailer, but it should sure. be on the a different show. It should be okay. Fine, it's a Ryan Reynolds movie, and it looked cute. But we can move on. To it did look else. good, but I mean, I don't, that's, that's fine. We can talk about something really else. Stand down. What do you well, want to talk about? Um, what so, other trailers? Uh, well, I mean, not a trailer, but Crisis on Infinite Earths has uh, started and reached its break on the CW and the. If it wasn't already spoiled for you, the first three episodes are out on CWs. 
Yes. Um, CW, you can watch the C, on the CW app with the 10 million commercials that are included. My God. <laughs> and it's the same two over and over yeah. again. Oh, my gosh. I'm obsessed with that Limu Emu, though. Um, so it's a five-part crossover event, and the first three parts are done, and then they went on their mid-season hiatus. Um, we are going to have a full episode at the beginning of 2020 reviewing all five. So we're not going to delve into any spoilers right now. That no. way you guys have plenty of time to watch all five episodes. Really let the tragedy sink in. Fantastic. Yeah. And they're making it sound kind of like Endgame where, uh, you know, the, the world will never be the same. You know, they've made a comment about Wally West is coming back to the Flash, yes. but that it's going to be like not, like a totally different character. And so yeah. I'm wondering if it's going to be a white redheaded Wally West. After uh, this. No, no, no. It's supposed to be the same actor. Yeah. Um, I was making a joke, he's just supposed but... to act differently. Yeah, I think they're using this as an opportunity to rewrite some of the status quo of the shows. You know, some maybe of the stuff they didn't like and that worked its way in. Merge some of the universes so that way characters can cross over more easily. Um, specifically, and this is just my my personal belief on where they're going with this, is specifically for Supergirl and Batwoman to team up every year yeah you know um for something the world's finest type e- thing exactly yeah. Yeah. they do have a really cool rapport back and forth and some odd sexual tension that you know i don't hate i don't think anyone does <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah we'll talk about that in january um let's see what else oh we did have another trailer ryan would you like to talk about the other trailer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a little indie film Love that joke called Ghostbusters, Walk-a-walk Afterlife, out. yeah, uh, officially, uh, yeah, it came out. Looks interesting. Uh, the trailer taken as a trailer was not really a great trailer, I thought, but um, as far as a taste of what's coming, it's it was good. What do you guys think? I haven't gotten to talk to you much about it. I have mixed feelings on it. I adore Paul Rudd in all of his Paul Ruddiness. I don't believe he's like the best actor in the world. I think he's always just playing a version of Paul Rudd. But I I can't tell if they're just throwing Egon stuff in our face to hit the nostalgia buttons and make us like it. Or if this is it, if this is as good as it gets and the rest of it's going to be, you know, hot garbage. And they're like, hey, we showed you the stuff you wanted to see. So watch Stranger Things, the movie now. And, you know, it's the same kind of complaints that people had with it. It's just, you know, they focus on these small kids and they kind of show you the nostalgia points and then that's it. So I don't know. It. As a trailer, it didn't really impress me, but there's some really cool things going on in the trailer as well, like the sky matching up with the sky in other Ghostbuster movies. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So. The poster's great. I it's actually love that poster. It's really cool. The colors, the use of color in it was very good, yeah. Nobody yeah. uses green in their poster unless it's an animated film or a halloween movie so but for ghostbusters i yeah. mean that's a good color it is totally. it's, it's just nice to see something that's not a bunch of floating heads you know right. i'm sure that'll come out soon probably but like i like these kinds of posters that are you know exactly what it is you know what movie it's for but it's just it's more artistic i guess for lack of a better word you know i'm personally um, hoping they follow the same trend with the with the other posters for the movie like you know you have the ecto it's a big center focus in this one and the ecto in the sky but then the next one maybe is like the trap and mm-hmm. something else and then like the next one is the proton pack um you know and you you don't see a lot of non-character movie posters so yeah. whenever you do something like that and it can still make you think of a movie without having to be in your face then that's pretty impressive and i think the ghost trap is super the ecto obviously but like the ghost trap and the proton pack are super iconic oh totally so yeah. uh you know i'm kind of hoping they follow that and it's not like the trap but like with paul rudd's head no. and like you yeah, know. but like maybe like it's sitting on like a countertop, maybe, exactly. You know, a little askew or something, or like know? the green, you know, yeah. vapors coming out, like you see in the trailer. Exactly, and it's just maybe like in like, you know, someone's workshop and stuff. And there's tools around and things. No people, right? right? Yeah. So I'm did you it. have the same concerns about it that Rachel had? Um, I don't know. I th- I thought it looked fine. I I I think I just I I get what they want to do here. They want to do a bunch of Ghostbusters movies, and so they have to hand it off to kids. But they want it to exist in the same universe as the originals, so they need that to make sense. And um, 
how are you going to how do you introduce characters to the Ghostbusters if the New York stuff actually happened? Well, you do it with kids living in the country who never heard about it. Right. Because adults would all know about it. You know, so um, well, that's not really true either. Like you could play it off like a big historical event event went completely unseen. So many people have no idea about, you know, big, tragic or important stuff. So it's people know. know Pearl Harbor, JFK and 9-11. They don't know anything else about American history. <laughs> but I mean, I in think theory, this would be something as big as 9-11 or close to think it. So. So. I would think the Statue of Liberty walking down Broadway. <laughs> In a t- in a city of ten million people, like to break a hole in a museum <laughs> covered in slime, you know, like people wouldn't remember that. You that's know what fair. I mean? Like that, people are going to remember. Well, see, and that's my, one of my main problems with the movie, and it was a bigger problem with Ghostbusters two than it was in this movie than it looks like in this movie. But you know, uh, that's a huge event, right? Like yeah. something like that. If that happened in the real world, that would probably be in textbooks. Mm-hmm. You know, you would learn the about interdimensional cross rip of nineteen eighty four. Because there, there those would become degree programs. That would be an, a, a legitimized field right. of research, you know. Because but clearly it isn't. So right. it, that's a little weird. And and I didn't really buy the line where where Paul Rudd comes up. He's like, "Whoa, cool replica, man!" It's like he's trying to be cool with the kids or whatever. And I don't know. That line wasn't sold very well for me. So I hope it, in context yeah, of the fair. movie, well, because if better. if all if the first two movies happened, why wouldn't those technologies just exist now? Yeah, I mean, you know, now maybe not for you and I to just buy at a retail store. Well, they said that ghosts haven't have there hasn't been a ghost in 30 years. So, which also means the video game didn't happen. But yeah, I guess that's not super shocking. But 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 also they could just be rounding up because that was 91. And so they're not going to say 29 years ago. We haven't seen a ghost. You know, yeah, that's fair. Maybe by the time it comes out, maybe it hits the three year mark. (laughs) Maybe. but no, I mean, it it looked fine. I need to see a lot more before I can really have. What did you think of the opinion. Ecto with the uh, gunner seat? I need context for that. I, I mean, the Ecto looked great, but that seemed a little aggressive uh, for what the original Ghostbusters did. Yeah, you know, like which one also, of the if four they haven't of them seen did Ghost, that? If they also haven't seen Ghosts in thirty years, then why did they feel the need to design the Ecto with a gunner seat after all that happened? Right, know, like that, because that, that's not in the game. I don't remember that in the that game. That is not in the game. That was in the cartoon, or there was oh, a, no, right. not even in the cartoon. That was a toy that came was out. It, okay, yeah. So I mean, I I don't know, but like, which seriously though, which one of the four do you think used that seat? Uh, I would say Vankman for <laughs> yeah. sure, or so. mm, Stance might have too. Also, he got really <laughs> excited about stuff like that. Right, like I just I guess I just don't picture like a guy like one of those guys in their forties doing right. That, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean I and I, I'm with you on the Egon stuff. I'm hoping that it's just because they can't use the actor that that's their way of bringing him in without uh you know, without having him alive, unfortunately. Yeah, that's always tough, right? Because you don't want to ignore him. Right. You know, but you don't want to go over the top, which is why like all the 2016 Ghostbusters stuff aside, I thought like the bust of him was a really nice yeah. moment, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. It was also not that big of a reveal when they were like Spangler suit because the the girl looks she's wearing Egon glasses. OK, <laughs> like you're not hiding this. This is not a big reveal. We all know we saw a collection of spores, molds and fungus like two <laughs> seconds before this. We know yeah. it's Egon or at least anybody that, you know, is a decent fan of the original movie is going to know that. So but maybe that's what Ray's kind of talking about. It's a little heavy handed in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely was in the trailer. I'm hoping it's not. I, like I that mean, that's all we movie. have to go off of. Right. Like in the end, other than my hope, that's what I have to go. <laughs> in the end sequels are supposed to further the story and like kind of recreate or build on top of the magic that was created in the first one and if you're just repackaging the first one to us then you know we're gonna then we're gonna be bored and that's where i'm starting to get a little nervous because this this year in 2019 we had some pretty big franchise sequel reboot things flop big time and even the ones that were pretty good stories just kind of i mean there was uh there was terminator charlie's angels and there was a third one oh uh uh, dr sleep hellboy um and hellboy yeah i mean all of those were sequels to beloved stories and or franchises and they all totally bombed at the box office for different reasons i mean hellboy we reviewed is just not a very good movie right um but it just worries me that maybe people are 
done with certain franchises at least for they're a not while. ever going to be done with ghostbusters though i mean get real they're gonna that the people will turn up for that movie I hellboy mean, was enjoyed by a lot of people but not like ghostbusters was I, that's true so that's true or really any of those franchises other than maybe terminator but right i mean but also ghostbusters hasn't had 17 movies <laughs> and a tv many, show but. and the 2016 ghostbusters was not as bad as uh Terminator Genesis, or however you pronounce that. No, 2016 Ghostbusters was a mediocre film with mediocre actors and mediocre writing. And it, uh, but now the entire world has taken a shit on it yeah. since they saw this trailer. And it, it doesn't need to. It's it's no worse. The than, immediate meme yeah. was. The, I'm sure you've seen the Thanos snap from the. It says like there hasn't been a, been a ghost sighting in 30 years, and then it shows all the women disintegrating. And it's like, is this really They were necessary? a different timeline anyway. Like, like, is this is this necessary? Can it's people not. like that movie just let them have this movie? The if four, they like it, yeah. they're great. The Who four cares? actresses were really proud of what they did, and I feel bad that they got a lot of hate. Yeah. It's, they just did a job. Yeah, it <laughs> they did a job that they would have they all loved that movie. The, and the Bill Murray movie. personally recommended two of them for the project. Yeah. So it's disappointing watching fans treat stuff that way. You know, I just, I don't, I mean, none of us are like all of those social groups because I just don't want to read it. Yeah. None of us are its biggest fans. We're not sitting here defending it saying, oh, it was the best Ghostbusters. No, no, no. I I think Rachel's the biggest fan of all of us. And even she's saying it's a mediocre film. So I thought it was fine. You know, like we reviewed it, right? Didn't yeah. we on here? You know, so you could go back and I guess listen to that episode if you wanted to. But at the end of the day, if you're in 2019 and you feel like you still have to like beat up on that movie because they're making another one, it just seems petty. Yeah. And all you're doing is alienating people who may feel like they're not welcome to go see the new one now. Yeah. Right. They were enjoying the fandom with that movie. And then now everybody is, well, everybody's been crapping on it, but they're crapping <laughs> on it more now. Yeah. And, you know. Yep. It is super unfair because there is some sexism behind it. I know that's not all of the complaints. I know it's not a good movie. But, you know, four women make a mediocre film and the four of them struggle to find continuing work after this. Whereas, you know, a lot of guys like Ashton Kutcher is only mediocre and continues to get lead roles and things. So, like, I I don't get it. But whatever. Fuck me. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, the, the answer is just have as much money as Adam Sandler, and then you can just make your own movies with your friends, and it doesn't matter how good they are. <laughs> you only bad. have to act once every 20 years. <laughs> you know, um, and then that, it's that pays punch the It's Punch Drunk Love for... and Uncut Gems, and those are your only two <laughs> right. acting roles. Yeah. All right, let's move on. What else we got? Do you guys want to get to the Galaxy Quest? Sure, let's let's, okay. let's take our break then. Break time. We'll be right back. Recently on the Heroes Podcast Network, Echo Station. Well, what's the main think... what's the main planet that Endor, the forest moon of Endor? It's a moon. So it's there's a major planet obviously that it Is the forest moon of Endor is Endor the actual planet then? See, th- isn't that confusing? Yes. Is it the forest moon of the planet Endor, or is it the forest moon called Endor? Kaiju Curry House. It got to the point where he started climbing the Empire State Building, and my mom is like, he's not gonna die, is he? <laughs> oh no. My mom doesn't know shit about these films, but anyways, it was just like, mom, this doesn't end well for Kong. And she's just like, I can't watch the rest of this. Turn it off. I'm like, you can't get to this point in Peter Jackson's King Kong two hours and like whatever many minutes later and not watch the end. Screen heroes. The nipples just were confusing to me because they just (laughs) they just make no sense. That is our clip, by the way. Uh, uh, But I mean, male nipples are kind of confusing anyway. So they serve zero purpose. Do you think that was the point he was trying to make? (laughs) It's a much deeper message. Yes. Is Batman and Robin a heavily an allegory, social allegory? Yeah. (laughs) Subscribe today at HeroesPodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker podcast addict and more it's true that some things change as we get older but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia brain fog moodiness and weight gain you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging and with midi health you can get help and stop pushing through it alone the experts at midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause 
and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are going to talk about Galaxy Quest. It is the 25th anniversary? 20th. Are you sure? Yeah, 1999. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. It's the 20th anniversary of Galaxy Quest, and the three of us went to go see uh, Fandoms and Screen Junkies uh, documentary on it called Never Surrender, so we were just going to celebrate our love for this movie, which is considered by many almost a flawless film, or at least a film where you immediately overlook the flaws. For sure the best Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not debatable. Do you want to go down that route? Is that how no, you want I just this episode I to go? Derek, I believe you're or... looking at your phone because you uh, want to talk box office, right? No, like, no, no, I wasn't. I'm, I wasn't. Are you trolling Tim Allen? What are you doing? Yeah, he's tweeting Tim Allen right now. No, This is I was, the only good thing you've ever done. <laughs> I was looking up what episode number this was. Oh, nice. Okay. For my notes. All right. So what do you guys <laughs> think about Galaxy <laughs> That's Quest? All, all I was doing. Um no, uh, Galaxy Quest does have a couple of interesting things, though, from a box office perspective. I don't have the numbers with me because I, I didn't want to spend time on that, really. But um, it did have a very steady box office. It didn't have like a big release and then a drop off like most movies see. It was just kind of cool the whole time for, for many, many weeks. It uh, actually set some records for that and people just kind of kept going to see it and never really fluctuated, which is kind of neat. Um I love this movie. I have always loved this movie mm -hmm. since I was a little kid. I Same think it's here. fantastic. I love the cast. I love everything about it. Um, it, yeah, I, I think it's. Who's your favorite character? <sighs> and why is it Dr. Lazarus? <laughs> I mean, like that's my go-to, right? For, for multiple reasons. First off, it's, it's Alan Rickman, who is wonderful in everything I've ever seen him in ever. And the character is just he feels, I don't know, very relatable, you know, cause he, it's there being a Trekkie. There's always those conversations about the actors being typecast, right. And not being able to move on from their roles in star Trek. And some people even leaving star Trek early. So they don't get typecast. Um, and that's still being an issue. And so, you know, his, his character is, is basically that guy of this is what, you know, my acting life has become. Cause I did this stupid sci-fi show. I can't break away from it, but you know, he's still a courageous, intelligent person and rises to the occasion and, and things like that. And watching his arc, I just think it's a lot of fun. You know, it's it's more emotional than most of the other arcs, in my opinion. It's true. Yeah, I mean, there was a death directly related to it in there the is. movie. So, yeah, that would pretty much make it, make it that way. Ryan, thoughts? Galaxy Quest? It's a great movie. I've loved it, um, yeah, since I saw it. I don't know if I remember seeing it in theaters or if I saw it when it came on TV because it used to play it on TBS or one of those channels quite mm -hmm. a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's – I mean, I think that was one of the first times I remember 
uh, actually seeing a convention represented in a movie. Because um, I had gone to some, back in the 90s, some Star Trek conventions with my dad. That's cool. And it was always weird. It was always weird? Yeah, because I wasn't really that into Star Trek, yeah. but then you know there were people dressed up as klingons and sure that was like the most common one i saw there and so that was a little weird as a kid um but it was cool seeing people so passionate about what they're into and seeing that represented in a movie was neat um and i probably related to the nerdy kid in his uh in his you know mom's house you know trying to help the (laughs) the characters more than anybody else personally um because at the time I was really into Star Wars a lot. Mm-hmm. Literally every shirt that I had had some was was a Star Wars shirt of some kind, and uh, you know I didn't have a lot of friends because of that. But uh, yeah, so I, that, that I think having somebody to identify with was cool, and I just the way the movie was structured, everything about it, everything was perfect. It's one of those lightning in a bottle movies. Absolutely. Who's your favorite character? Um, probably the nerdy kid. Justin Long's character. If I had to pick somebody from the crew, it would probably be the commander because I envy his confidence, even though he's like... Jason Nesmith? Yeah. Even though he's, uh, you know, kind of a dunce and isn't great at the things he does, he has the confidence to do it without worrying about it, um, which is something I envy a little bit. Um, Yeah. He does have a lot of courage, too. Mm -hmm. Like, all of these guys end up being pretty courageous people. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ray? Yeah, same boat as you guys. I saw it on HBO as a kid, just flipping through the channels because that was my parents' way of spending time with us on the weekends was letting me just be by myself, and I appreciate that in hindsight. It gave you your film love for film and TV, probably. Yeah, I didn't have people ruin my experience. It was great. Um, so I fell in love with the sci-fi aspect. I was a huge sci-fi nerd as a kid. Like my favorite movie for a long time was Titan AE. So I loved sci-fi. I really like that movie too. It's good. Watch it. I haven't seen it in a long time. I I make little jokes about the Earth actually being named Bob. Like quite is that often. a Titan AE reference? It's been so long since. Yeah, I that's I what that. Matt Sorry. Damon's character names it at the end, Bob. And Drew Barrymore's character is like, "How about Earth Two? And he's like, "No, Bob." <laughs> So. That's because Earth 2 was already taken by yeah. a, a canceled sci-fi show. <laughs> At the time, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I fell in love with this movie. I would watch it like on repeat, and I own the VHS. I owned the DVD. Now I own the Blu-ray. Like It's, it's a pretty good film. And 99 was a good year for sci-fi, too. I mean, oh, we yeah. got Matrix, I think, mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. We got Fifth Element, Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, yeah. was a, that was a big year for Stellar sci-fi. year. Mm-hmm. So. Who's your favorite Guy character? Fleegman. Yeah, that's a good choice. Sam Rockwell. It's just Guy. He it was kind of my introduction No, it Rockwell. is. <laughs> he killed that role. And I identify as that person, the one who has had low to moderate success that tries to mooch off other people's success <laughs> and has really catchy one-liners. And I'm like, wow. that's me, man. I think the last part might be true, but I don't think the middle part's true. I don't know. Like, no, she's obviously riding the coattails of this podcast now. Well, really? I mean, uh, yeah, we're going places. No, no, I'm, I'm cost famous. Yeah, with my... Right, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, I so- love Guy. <laughs> Guy is the best. But my first time actually seeing the movie, my parents just bought it on VHS, and having never, none of us had ever seen it, and so we watched it on VHS. That's a cool story. Don't you like miss those days when you could take a financial chance on a film and it didn't matter in the end if you didn't like it? Oh well. Now I look at like the bargain bins at like a Target or Walmart or something, and I'm like, I can't spend the three dollars if I'm not going to like it. This is unacceptable. <laughs> streaming has changed that a little bit because yes. like back then it was like five bucks to rent it as like a new release or twenty dollars just to buy it. So my parents were like, we'll just buy it. The kids will watch it. Right? It was kind of the the reasoning there but the downside was i didn't learn until later when i got it on disc and could see a widescreen version of it that it was shot in the three different aspect ratios do you guys know about this yes, yes. we watched the same documentary. oh yeah we watched it yeah well i yeah. knew about it before the documentary okay but, of course you did you hipster um no because I, I love this i think this is super super cool and i had read about it and i the blu-ray does it really well and um yeah it's shot in three different aspect ratios starting with when it's the tv show 
and then it moves out to a, a more normal ratio and then it moves out to the full theater widescreen for when the bay doors open and they're in outer space or he's in outer space nesmith is in outer space and it all becomes real and i always love that i thought that was a really cool kind of real world mechanic to use to try and like immerse the audience uh, in the documentary, we learned that Harold Ramis was set to direct for a very long time. How do you guys feel the movie would have been different if Harold Ramis had followed through? It's probably a better question for Ryan than for me, because um, I don't know. Because he's such a big Stripes and Groundhog Day fan. No, you just—I am a pretty big well, fan of Groundhog Day. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love Stripes. I think that they're both. Yeah, they're all in Ghostbusters, you know, obviously. You just so. know his catalog better than I do. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say because around that time, you know, he had like year one and some of those God, other that, movie that were was just bad. really terrible. And uh, year one had maybe one good joke in it. And I maybe <laughs> like that. Even that it, part. It made, was but. Hank Azaria when he is about to sacrifice McLovin. I don't remember that actor's name. <laughs> and Jack Black's like, what are you doing? And he's like, we're playing Bernie, Bernie, cut, cut. And I laughed so hard because <laughs> I was like, yes, Hank, you are. It's perfect. That's how you describe a sacrifice to your Lord. Okay. All right. Anyway, yeah, that's, tangent. <laughs> that's, that's the, the best joke. What year was year one? I can't even remember. I'm looking at it. had to be like 02 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was Maybe pretty. it was like 05. I don't know. But, My concern would just be that it would have lost the heart that it has and well, just been more of a straight comedy. He doesn't. He didn't want Tim Allen, right? And you know, oh so my god, it, it was two thousand nine. Was it really? I was yeah, gonna say, like with McLovin, and it, it'd have to be later. That's true. Um, yeah, but I mean, also he hadn't done a great movie since Groundhog Day. At that point, you know, he there, he'd done some other stuff, but nothing noteworthy. Um, so I don't know. It would have been yes, yeah, so it would have been a much different movie. Um, he probably would. You're probably right that it would have been more comedy, but then I don't know that it would have lost the heart because he also did movies like Groundhog Day, which had a lot of heart and a lot of comedy. So, yeah. uh, but I do think that Tim Allen made like that movie would not have been as good as it was without yeah, Tim Allen. When they were saying some of the other cast or some of the other, Potential yeah, casting, like yeah. Alec Baldwin, like yeah, I can see him playing a cocky smarmy kind of character but in the 90s he was so well sought after that you know if this film was in production or you know the the writing purgatory that most films go through there's no way they could have afforded him to be completely honest i think the, the tim allen has the ability to play like the flawed cocky guy Right, because Alec Baldwin, I think, just would have been the really cocky guy. Yeah, right. Like and Zap that, Brannigan type. Yeah, and yeah. maybe that would be funny for a bit, right? But Zap Brannigan can never really be truly heartfelt. Yeah, right. That never works for him. You but, don't ever feel bad, or I figured right. you'd be proud that I just made a Futurama reference. I'm, I am. I smiled. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was great. You can't hear me smile for those of you out there, but uh, but but Tim Allen can, and back then especially, Tim Allen was in a lot of very good stuff. You know, he was just coming off of Home Improvement, which was a massive success. He did the Santa Claus, which has a lot of that back and forth of is he a good parent or is he a bad parent? And, and he, he was wants known to do for better. Buzz Lightyear by this point. Right. And Buzz, which, I mean, that was. That's huge. That, that That's probably, a yeah. huge role. That role is bigger than him. And I would think that Woody is bigger than Tom Hanks at this point. Like more people know who Woody is than Tom Hanks. You think so? I think so. Just worldwide. Hmm. I do. Um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I think Tim Allen solidifies what the movie is supposed to be or what it was meant to be. Um, and everybody else does an amazing job, but I think he's that pin that keeps it exactly in the middle of where all of these things are supposed to come together. Right. And since he's the main character, you know, adjusting that at all will change the movie in drastic ways. Absolutely. Um, so I would have been very curious to see Harold Ramis's take on it, um, but I don't know... I don't know if it would have had the same lightning in a bottle feel, unfortunately. Yeah. But it probably would have been pretty good still, maybe even great. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he did. He was so hit or miss. It mm-hmm. was it's tough. I mean, you know, he would have had the advantage of, you know, a, a good cast, which which always helps. And 
a decent budget. I mean, the movie, they didn't really skimp on things. Things look good in that movie and they use a lot of practical um, effects and prosthetic work. So that way, like it still holds up. Yeah. And I've talked about it before, but I got a chance to be up close and personal with the Saris costume uh, that they used on that movie. And, yeah, that's and cool. it was gorgeous beyond belief in real life. 20 years later. Well, it was like 18 years later when I saw it, but still, I mean, it was just a beautiful piece of work that should be on display, like in an art show because it was really gorgeous. Um, and you know, that translates to film, although you can't appreciate maybe all the little details on film, but having that level of depth does translate to the film. Well, it means that when I was a kid watching it on VHS, no, on my 20 inch TV, none of that was there, but it means now on Blu-ray, I can see these details and it doesn't look dated. Yeah. And it's not yeah. like a lot of other movies from that time frame where then you can see the seams that you couldn't see when it came out, you know, on the, on prosthetics and things like that. Like Dr. Lazarus, you still if you can see the seams, it's because they wanted you to see the right. seams, you know? And, uh, well, there's and a lot of movies not, that aren't that way. There's not a lot of CGI in this movie either. And a lot of movies in the in the late 90s, early 2000s were using CGI very Tried heavily. very hard to do it, yeah. You know, the Matrix movies, the Star Wars prequels, you know, and a lot of those effects don't hold up particularly well anymore. But mm. also, Fifth Element, which came out the same year, was also heavy, heavy on practical effects so mm-hmm. and model-type stuff. So, yeah, it's... the that was a that was a really good year for that. Matrix, I think, relied on CGI more than either of those two movies that same year. The first Matrix does a much better job, and those effects hold up much better 20 years later. Well, a lot of their stuff was practical, too. A lot of the gunfights were practical, and the explosions were practical instead the, of CGI. The circular, yeah. like, that right. whole thing was a whole new thing back then. It wasn't yeah. just CGI rendered. Now, the sequels are a different conversation, right? So the first one still holds up pretty well, but... Uh, but they were starting. They were, that's mm-hmm. where the CGI train was really taking off. And I like that they did it the old way as much as possible in this. And it looks good today because of that. Yeah. yeah. And it was Stan Winston Studios who was responsible for some of the best effects, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. So, And I mean, even just the costuming was good. Just like the uniforms that, that uh, the crew of the uh, protector wear that those are just, they're cool. I like them. I've always wanted one of those. The ship model of the protector is still one of my favorite sci-fi ship designs in media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right up there with the enterprise for me. Like I've always wanted one of those. Um, now we are super focused on the crew, but the Thermians are equally as good. If not, you know, they, they're more silent players in the background, but they are phenomenal. The fact that they got all of them to walk and clap that way and laugh and talk that way, it was, it's impressive knowing what actors go through nowadays. And they were believable as aliens because mm-hmm. they had these weird ticks, right? Like, you know, the, the woman would always have this really awkward smile mm-hmm. um, all the time. And then, you know, just the things that they did that to make the characters really sold it. There's just something off about each of them. And, you know. Yeah. And I think that that. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's key, right? That it was like almost right. You know, it's kind of like that John Mulaney joke. Like it was almost right, but it was off just enough. And, you know, whoever came up with those different ideas for like specifically like how they walk, you know, it was just it's brilliant. It's well, it was Enrico and his audition. Yeah. And then everybody else was told to mimic that. And and that's Mathazar. And Mathazar is such he's kind of the heart of the movie, I guess, if you had to pick one. He's the purity. Right. You know, he's like the good to strive for in the film type of thing. He doesn't believe in deception and trickery and he wants to be honorable and smart and all that and you know it yeah he's he yeah. plays it really well like that's the first role i ever saw him in uh um, see i knew him from just shoot me i think yeah. at that time yeah, i don't he was know on was that just before that i think it was I running remember. concurrently okay i didn't watch a lot of just shoot me i liked just shoot so. me david spade and there were some good good people yeah, in that. yeah. but um 
yeah, that's where I knew him from. But yeah, he, there was also you know Rain Wilson and <laughs> right. several other like actors that went on to be <laughs> much bigger. Kyle, Patrick Breen. Yeah, yeah, they're all. It's there. so it's funny to watch it now and go back mm-hmm. and you like look in the background and there's some random background Thermian that's like a. Big, You're like, hey, I've seen now. them and. It was funny, like after The Office had been out for a while and stuff, because I, I hadn't been really into it. So I was like, "No, you know, Rain Wilson's in Galaxy Quest." I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> yep, turns out he is. And he has a he couple has lines. One line. <laughs> is it two? I don't know. It's, he a, he, it's only in the oh, okay. limo. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. But um, it's funny though. What do you guys think of the design of the Thermians when they're in their their natural form? See, I absolutely love that because. One of my biggest pet peeves with Star Trek and a lot of Star Wars, but not as much, is that most of the creatures that they come across, most of the aliens, are humanoid. And a lot of the time, they're just humans in, like, different clothing, like weird rags or weird, like, holographic clothing. Where they have weird tentacles coming out of one part of their body. So, So did you know there's a term for this? It's called the forehead of the weak. Because they would normally have just a tiny little difference to their Must forehead. Be a Star Trek. It's a Star Trek mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, they'd the have Klingon like a, a little ridge or... or like a dot thing that like bulged out or like a strip or something. So it was called the forehead of the week. And I'm not saying that isn't you know cost effective or that we couldn't run into aliens that look just like us. However, the fact that the Thermians are cephalopods. And have the technology to project a humanoid appearance to make us more comfortable makes way more sense to me. Oh, totally. I, I mean, it was a cost-cutting thing in, in Star Trek, right? Because it was a TV show. Sure. But, um, it was I a think cost-cutting it... thing in Galaxy Quest, too. They weren't going to do, like, <laughs> 400 cephalopods. But when they that big reveal, though, you know, where they, they didn't realize they were didn't have their amplifiers on or whatever, it's one of the funniest moments in the film and guy just lets out that scream. <laughs> well, and you get to when their voice modulator or whatever, isn't working in the car and that right. uh, chick just makes the like Layla horrible Ray. noise. So good. Uh, yeah. And then later on when she's kissing Tony Shalhoub's character and the like, start yeah. coming up and guys like, Oh, that's just not <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but but Quan is totally into it, like because it's funny how like he misses that mo- that earlier moment, and he's just like along for the ride the whole time. He's eating popcorn on the shuttle, and it's he so was good. on drugs that entire movie, <laughs> and I don't blame him. Tony or the character? Tony. Tony. Okay. <laughs> but the character he played it just a little too well. <laughs> It's so different from Monk and his character on Wings, which were the only other two things I had to go off of. So I was like, wow, this is this is why this guy gets an Emmy every year. (laughs) Um, So we haven't really talked about Sigourney Weaver at all. Gwen is fantastic. Because this is a very different character for her, even Mm -hmm. today. She plays against type very well. She almost only ever plays, like, the tough, hard-ass person. And And she's great at it, so why not? Right. Although Dana Barrett wasn't really a tough, hard-ass person in Ghostbusters, so. She didn't really take shit. She, she wasn't a badass, but she didn't no, take she called Bill Murray out on her stuff. Mm-hmm. His stuff. Yeah, she was still tough, and then she's uh, possessed almost immediately. That's <laughs> so. true. And I, she she had her own kind of power with that. Yeah. Sure, you know. So, um, but in this, you know, she she does play. It's a very kind of tropey character, you know, where yeah. The, in Star Trek, there's always this thing like, well, just ask the computer because the computer knows all of this stuff. Why am I having like a person report it to me? And so she's literally doing that as an in-between. And I I crack up every time, especially when they're in the boardroom and you she know. calls it out. She's like, look, I have one job and I'm going to do it because I'm not useful any other way. Because <laughs> Jason tells her that she doesn't have to do that. She gets so mad. I, I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, she's she's great in everything, though. And uh, yeah. She was definitely good at, at at this, and it was refreshing to see her in something different. Mm-hmm. You know, we did well. learn that it was a blonde wig, not she didn't dye her hair, and that it was fake boobs. She had <laughs> like cosplay boobs that she wore, <laughs> which is fantastic. I always assumed it was a wig. It didn't. The hair never quite looked right for some reason. It didn't flow like you know a head of hair does. Like, so I get it. No, but but as a little kid. Uh, I did not make the connection that that person was the same person who played Ripley. It took me a little while to realize that that was the same person. That's the mark of a good actor so, or actress. Mm-hmm. You know. She said she had a lot of fun with the role. I believe it. I mean, I can't imagine they didn't have a fun time making that movie. 
you know, from an actor perspective. Well, I'm sure Tim Allen brought enough cocaine for everybody, so... <laughs> That was that Since was that was right around the time he got busted, wasn't it? No, 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 no. He got busted way in the eighties before, before, really? yeah, before Home Improvement. Before Home Improvement, was it really? Before mm-hmm. Pixar. I thought it was during Home Improvement. No. Oh, okay. Home Improvement was like his big comeback. That was his like, I'm back. I'm straight. Let's do this, and that's how his career got back on track. Gotcha. Yeah. In all fairness, like 2020 brought it up all the time because of how successful he was. Mm-hmm. They would like talk about his arrest and stuff. So maybe that's why it seems so current. Yeah, to me they time. talked about it in the 90s a lot. They didn't really kind of put it to rest until he started doing the Toy Story stuff, and then I think maybe Pixar Disney and shut Disney that were down. Like, we're not having these conversations about Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> What? Buzz uses Coke? <laughs> right? Like, I, I think that was when that all kind of was started. No, Buzz to... sells Coke. That, he doesn't do it. <laughs> oh, man. No, Buzz totally does Coke. <laughs> Probably. His name is not Buzz for nothing. His nose doesn't start bleeding for no reason. <laughs> oh, God. We're off the rails. We are off the rails. That's your clip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else? What else can we talk about here? Um. So I do really like that they kept saying in the documentary that the fans win the day. It's because Brandon and his three friends are so obsessed with this show that pulls them out of the Saris and uh, the Saris danger and the uh, beryllium sphere danger. So that's nice because you know, at the beginning they're kind of making fun of obsessed fans to a certain degree. Like why don't you just have a life and then by the end, well, it's the people that, you know, didn't, quote unquote, have a life that saved your ass. So maybe kind of respect them. Yeah, when they were walking up in like the bad costumes and stuff like that, that's clearly like meant to be yeah. a pro like these guys are look at these lame dudes, you know, but then at the end of the day, they're the ones that save them. Mm-hmm. So, And I think that's why the movie bookends it that way, right? Like that's kind of the point that the movie is trying to make. And it was... Being, it was done so well that people in the real world took offense to it. Like Patrick Stewart didn't want to see this movie because he thought they were making fun of his show and his fans, and he didn't like that. Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes had to convince him to see it, right? Mm-hmm. And when he did, of course, he realized what it actually was, and it's brilliant, and he loves it. But, you know, a lot of people still try to make fun of those types of groups. It's much more normalized now than it was in the nineties, right? Cause in the nineties it was, a, it was more of a weird thing to have these star Trek conventions and stuff. Now we mm-hmm. have a con almost every weekend somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cool moment as a kid seeing the three dimensional models of the inside of the ship on those computers. I was jealous. I did not have that. I don't think that was a thing to be fair. I think that was the thing for the movie. I mean, right. But when I'm, I was like 12, I guess, give or yeah. take when that came out. So I, I was, I thought, you know, as a 12 year old, you don't know that it's not real. You just know you don't have it. Right. Right. So that's true. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest though. If a, if a spaceship crashed into a con I was at, then I don't know that that would be the same reaction that no. they got in that movie. <laughs> I feel like he was a little subdued no. in that movie. They're like, they don't question the fact that a smoking spaceship just landed in the building and clearly damaged like, it. Like, let's face it. If a spaceship crashes in the middle of Planet Comic Con in 2020, it is not going to be a Shatner comes off, greets us all, and announces his new show. It's going to be War of the Worlds and every person for themselves. Yeah. So. How cool would that be, though? Like, just Shatner saunters off and he's like, I'm back. <laughs> Uh, like that you would be never that cool. win anywhere, Shatner. Yeah. Like, You're kind of an attention whore for doing this, Shatner. <laughs> Why did you wreck Bartle? Yeah, like, geez. what are we gonna do? We love this place. But, I mean, that's the, the whole point is supposed to be like no one thinks it's real because like the cast just walks off the ship and you know and right. But that. the building is clearly destroyed. Special effects. Mm. Okay, in 1999, in the real world, you know, holograms, holograms. Right. <laughs> it's all holographic technology, Ryan. Mm. Tupac was Very supposed simple. to be there. <laughs> Tupac was still alive at this time. Oh, wow. I think. I don't know. Probably. I'm not his biographer. Okay. So that's good um, to know. I always thought you were. So, yeah. So, I mean, that is kind of how the movie ends. And it is, yeah, it, it's a it's a kind of a fun moment, though, because it lets them basically do what everyone thinks is a stage performance, right? And that, you know, Jason gets to do the, the Shatner role, and he grabs the gun and blows up the bad guy, and everybody saves the day, you know? Where do you think the TV show was going to go? Like, just hypothesize for a second it's gonna be like the orville probably 
Well, I, I always assumed that they were just going to do the show, right? Like, it wasn't going to be meta. It was just going to be the show. Hmm. Um, and I don't know how well that would work now, because now people would just assume it's a ripoff of the Orville, even though this came much earlier. <laughs> um, and know. Orville is probably ripping off it, to be completely honest. Um, well... No, I mean, the Oroville is a comedy version of Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, that's, like, hardcore. That's exactly what that is. But I think people would, because the Oroville is so popular and it's been so successful, people would just see something like Galaxy Quest as taking from that. You know, so I don't know that it would work anymore. And without Alan Rickman, it, it fell apart anyway because people didn't want to do it without him, which I understand. I do, too. Yeah, it wouldn't have been the same. No. What about you guys? Did you think it would be something different? Yeah, I thought it would have been closer to the Orville. You know, what we have now is the Orville, but before, you know, the Orville, this was the rumor. Mm. So I figured it would be something like that and be, I don't know, probably, it would probably be, so. I had to imagine it somewhere in between what you're talking about and the Orville, you know, like somewhere in the middle there. They're gonna, it's going to be meta, but also they're going to do the show, something along mm. those lines. I was hoping that it would have been from like Brandon's point of view or he would have been the main character and Justin Long's uh, character was like a writer for the Galaxy Quest TV show and he was friends with all the actors and stuff off screen. So there was still some meta aspect to it. I'd like to know what happened to the Thermians just personally because they have like half of a ship and no planet and so... You know, what happened to them? Do they colonize uh, another world or moon? Do they build more ships? Like, I want to know what happened to them. That's fair. I'd like that. They died. Wow. I mean, the odds are not in their favor. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, but I'd like to know what happened, you know? And with the ship crashing on the planet, like, did we use its technologies? Kind of like, you know, the Independence Day sequel. And now we've got this new technology that we can use. I mean. Beryllium I, sphere, spheres. <laughs> the beryllium sphere. Yeah. yeah don't know the omega 13 i love the concept of the omega 13 so too. Cool. they were traveling with this thing on a ship and they had no idea what it did <laughs> yeah that was really neat and that the thermians were able to reconstruct it in such a way that they didn't know even know what it did but that it was you know the same as what was on the show it's cute it's a fun idea and it's unique right something that lets you travel back 13 seconds like no one's ever done something like that before right and it's hard in science fiction at the end of the 20th century to come up with something new that's never been a device that somebody's used and i thought that was really creative same here yep what else i think that's it that's all i have to say about it fair enough I still want one of those uniforms, though, from the Protector. Well, yeah, they're really yeah, cool. You brought that up like seven times, Derek. Two times. Two times. Jeez. That's all I got. Christmas present. Um, so. <laughs> or Hanukkah's prison, sorry. Yeah, I celebrate Hanukkah. Thank you very much. <laughs> my, so my ha mistake. Happy early Hanukkah to all my, my fellow Jews out there. It starts on Sunday. Happy early solstice. Um. Now, so next week, I guess we'll just do a quick rundown here. We will not be live next week because uh tuesday is christmas eve and we are not going to be live instead we will still be releasing an episode on that thursday and it will be our review of the rise of skywalker um echo station our sibling podcast that's a star wars podcast is also doing a review of the rise of skywalker but listen that, to ours because it'll be better that'll come out on monday so unless you uh, want to hear ian for 30 minutes talk about how great it was with no flaws perfect in every way <laughs> anyway so you can you can listen to you, ours or theirs or both if you'd like to uh, but we will not be live next week so uh the next time we will be live will be in 2020 which that's you know the future the next decade yep that's right mm -hmm. yep ray do you want to play us out oh boy okay so you can follow the show at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter. You can follow us individually at Buster Props, at the Star Trek Dude, and at Siren Ray. We are available at Heroes Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can check out our full website with our catalog of shows on HeroesPodcast.com. You can listen to this show on Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, blog Talk Radio? No. We're no? no we're, we're no longer on Blog Talk Radio. Spreaker. 
Spotify, Spreaker, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcast, Google Podcast Play. Addicts. Yeah. Stitcher. No, not Stitcher. Okay. Sorry. So basically not everywhere you like for podcasts, but some of the places you like Some for of the podcasts. places. You can also donate to our Patreon or donate to our coffee. It just, every little bit helps. If you're a fan, help us out. That's it. We'll see you guys in 2020. Never give up. Never surrender. Oh, that's just not right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.